You can pull out your Bibles and go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Brown little booklets to Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Second Corinthians chapter 5. We'll be starting in verse 18 tonight. Did you guys hear that testimony of Matt Wolf last night? My goodness, um, it's, it's been a joy uh, to partner with Matt in ministry this summer. And I, I would just encourage you guys, it's a joy to hear from one another how God has worked and moved in our lives. And not everyone has a, a Matt Wolf testimony. Um, but... But for every single one of us who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, um, we've had the same exact miraculous spiritual reality take place, spiritual transformation. We've gone from, like we were talking about, I think Monday night, being spiritually dead on a path bound for death and separation from God and being in Christ, being under the blood of Jesus Christ and all of our sins being forgiven, taken on his shoulders and him taking on the death that we deserved. Every single one of us have experienced the inward spiritual death to life transformation. So not all of our lives have the same external transformation like Matt Wolf's had. I like to say that God just wanted to make it so abundantly clear to all that he was at work with his testimony. Maybe some of you have a similar, but if you don't, do not discount what God has done in your life. A miracle has taken place in your life. If you've come to Jesus and acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior, and that's worth sharing. And God uses those stories, every single one of us, our transformation testimony to stoke each other's faith, to share the gospel, and to bring all glory, honor, and praise to him. So tonight, we're turning a corner. We're going from talking about what our God has established, like we talked about on Monday, how that good news gospel of Jesus Christ, the best good news that that has overcome the worst bad news, how that then, last night, transforms us. We are now transformed, no longer old, but new creations because of what our God has done. So now what? That's what the rest of our time is going to be talking about. The now what? So tonight we're going to be talking specifically about how the transformation that each one of us has experienced can be shared with the world. And God would have every single one of us be a part of that sharing. And then tomorrow night, last little time that we're going to have sitting under God's word together is going to be how do our whole lives convey this gospel good news reality and not just our proclamation and declaration of it. So that's our game plan for tonight and tomorrow. Tonight, we're going to be specifically looking at verses 18, 19, and 20. So why don't you turn there, 2 Corinthians 5. 
I'm going to start one verse earlier in 17, picking up from where we were last night. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's far God's word. Hey, point number one, really simple. God has done everything to make reconciliation possible. God has done everything to make reconciliation possible. We see that right off the bat, verse 18. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So what we got to just make clear right off the bat is what is reconciliation? What's going on? What is this word? This is a relationship word. This is a word that refers to friendship and the regaining, the reestablishing of friendship. We, apart from God, enemies of him, we couldn't meet that standard that he set. Only Jesus could. So truly, Jesus was the only one who could be friend with God as he is fully God. But because we now, having received the righteousness of God, because he took on our sins, he took our death consequence and extends to us his righteousness. That is this great exchange that allows this reconciliation to be possible. Us going from being enemies to being friends with God. Who, who's the enemy in your life? Who's that friend? Who's that family member? That it's just like, oof, enemy number one. Can't stand him. Don't want to be around them. Don't want to think about them because of what they did, what they didn't do, what they said, what they didn't say. Who's that person in your life? Maybe there's many. This gospel good news of Jesus Christ, you guys. We far more surpassed in degrees of rebellion against our God, in doing him wrong, in mistreating him, than anything or the culmination of anything that anyone has done against you. And this is the God who moved towards us to bring us close to ourselves to sacrifice the innocent one so that we, the guilty ones, could be in relationship with him. 
because of the grace of God that has been extended to us, it would be wrong for us to not extend grace and mercy even to those who are undeserving because we were those. We were those undeserving ones to whom grace, love, and mercy was extended. There's obviously wisdom in this. We shouldn't just walk straight up to someone who's pointing a gun at our face and go in for a hug. So there's wisdom and maybe there's people who have hurt you in the past. This doesn't mean that we just seek to be near them, but what does it look like to move toward, to seek reconciliation? And we've seen in the gospel, our God has moved towards us in a profound way. Our God has done everything to make reconciliation possible, to change us from being his enemies to being his friends. What does this now mean for us? Point number two, we now have the ministry, we've been given and brought into the ministry of making friends. And this doesn't mean that we're now just trying to grow our um, following or our friend number on any social media. This doesn't mean that you're just trying to become as popular and well-known as possible. No, it's not friendship with us necessarily. It's the friendship with God that's made possible because of what his son Jesus Christ did. We become the people walking testimonies, testifying to what God has done. I was an enemy of God. He died for me in my place where I deserve to die and he's made me a friend of his. So can you be. This is what Paul's doing. Do we see this? He's calling the Corinthian church into the ministry that God would have for them. Christ reconciled us to himself, as in verse 18, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, in Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We've been given this message of not counting trespasses against people because that's what our God did for us. If our trespasses were counted against us, who could stand, scripture says. But again, his blood washed over and made us white as snow, washed away our slate when we come to him and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you for cleanliness. I need to be forgiven of all my junk and I need the righteousness that only you have. He's the one in the first place who overlooked trespasses and now he brings us into that same ministry. We can walk up to people and say, even though you have such a messed up background like I did, I know a God and I've experienced trespass erasing freedom. You can have it too. Can you imagine? I imagine there's things in your past that you're just ashamed of. Think, words that you've said, things that you've done that just make you shiver when you think about them. When we come to God, it is as if those things have been completely erased. And he views us as he views his son who lived a perfect life. 
that kind of life, that kind of embrace, that kind of family bond is waiting for everyone. And if we have it, we can share it. This isn't a limited quantity. This isn't a fire sale. This isn't a first come, first serve. This is a, we get to sow seeds. And God has given us a massive, infinite bag of seeds that we get to sow of the gospel good news. And where he gives the growth, he gives the growth. Where people see and acknowledge their sins and come to him, praise the Lord. But now we're called into this ministry. We're called into this family business. We who were once enemies are now called into making friends, not with ourselves, but helping people become friends with God. Then point number three, though we are former enemies, we are now ambassadors. Ambassadors, what is that? This is the official representative of someone or something. Some would say usually in kind of a foreign territory, a foreign land. That's something to think about. I think most of us feel very comfortable where we are. And maybe we put a lot of effort into just blending in and being like the culture and the community around us. But God's actually calling us to be foreigners in the places where we live. Foreigners in the sense that we live for and represent a kingdom that is not of this world. Totally and radically countercultural to everything this world would say or proclaim. Self-sacrificial love, are you kidding me? That has no traction in this world. You deserve this. You should have this. I want this. We live in a world that pumps you full of messages that you're a king, that you're a queen, and you deserve the best of every single thing that you can get. So strive for that. Strive for yourself. Make yourself known. Please yourself. Our God came to this world. He left his perfect kingdom, came to this messed up one, not to be served, but to serve. And he's the one we're representing. We're called to be servants and foreigners representing a foreign God. And in some ways it can seem like doesn't have much traction or doesn't have much attention in this world. But one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We get to be the movie trailer of the coming attraction of what's going to be. And we can start living in such a way that the whole world, ready or not, is going to be called to submit to. But being this ambassador, guys, this is an opportunity to proclaim life and freedom. Because you know, you've seen it, maybe you've experienced it, what just being enslaved to the things of this world feels like. It's a bottomless pit. There's not freedom there. There's only further enslavement, further shackles, trying to find value, trying to find identity in the world. 
It'll eat you alive. But our God is the one who truly brings life, truly brings peace, truly brings refreshment, even in the midst of the brokenness of this world. And we get to be a light. Like lights wherever he has us, the specific places where he has you is the exact place where he wants you to be a representative of him and his kingdom. So what does it look like? Being an ambassador, being a minister of reconciliation. I think, one, we get to live out the gospel in our lives. We get to remember that we were enemies who have been made friends. I think that can give us the courage and the hope to believe that any relationship in your life that's suffering, that's struggling, maybe that enemy that you thought of, there's hope that even the difficulty, the barriers in those relationships can be overcome with God's help. Doesn't mean it's not gonna be hard. Doesn't mean there's not gonna need to be the acknowledgement of sin, maybe your own and someone else's. But maybe if we lived out the gospel, even in our own relationships of coming to each other and both owning the mess in the ways that we've contributed to the mess and being committed to self-sacrificial love that actually bridges can be built instead of a distance continued to grow. What else does it look like? We get to proclaim the gospel to the people around us. We're pretty good at proclaiming and promoting our favorite TV show or our favorite brand of clothing. Why don't we proclaim and declare the things that we love about God, the ways that he's worked and changed in our lives? Where on your value list is our God and how he's changed your life? Is he on there at all? Do you speak of him to anyone in your day outside of youth groupers, church? If this truly is the best good news, is it showing up? I know for me it doesn't all the time. I know for me I'm putting myself first a lot of times. Ongoing transformation, ongoing sanctification. I need God's help all the time to even just continue to put him first. All this has been done by God. Called us into a ministry of making friends and even though we were former enemies, we're now ambassadors. Just want to conclude by telling a story. And this is in, in no part to um, yeah, puff myself up by any means, but just to display what God can do through us. I was moving into college, freshman year. Exciting time, nervousing time. Don't know what's going to happen. Found out I've got two roommates. I'm moving from Alexandria, Minnesota, across the country to come here to California to go to Biola University. And uh, whoop. And I'm going to have two roommates. One, Philip Ward of Linden, Washington. Two, really? Wow. Two, um, Danny Edwards of Bakersfield, California. Yeah. <laughs> I get there early, wanna, I'm just so excited, got all my stuff from Target that I just recently purchased to move in and get ready for college. 
I get there first moment I can, as early as possible. And Philip Ward, the guy from Linden, also got there around that time. So we get to meet each other. Our parents get to meet each other. We get to kind of settle in, arrange our bunks, um, put stuff on our desk, kind of do our little decorations, put our closets in the places that we want, fill those up, getting ready, making that place our home for the next year. We're excited. We go out to lunch with Philip and have a good old time getting to know him and his parents. Come back to the dorm room, open the door, and everything's been moved around. Things have been relocated by none other than Danny Edwards and his parents. That was a big no-no. That was an immediate like, whoa, who is this guy? Turns out Danny is an only child. Nothing against only children. My mom is an only child and I'm very thankful for her. But sometimes it can seem like from some experience that I have with only children, like Danny Edwards, um, his mother still to this day just calls him um, her little angel. <laughs> so I learned very quickly that Danny Edwards had never not gotten anything that he'd ever wanted. He'd always gotten it. He'd always gotten his way. His parents made sure of that. So this guy, uh, unlike Phil and I had grown up with many siblings in our home and just understood that we don't, we don't get everything we want. We get hand-me-downs, that's what we get. We're now bucking up against entitlement and selfishness and we didn't know the roller coaster we were about to get on. Danny Edwards um, was a trumpet performance guy. So one of the first lines that just needed to be drawn is, Danny, you cannot practice the trumpet blaring it in our dorm room. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Come on. I was a music major, Phil was a music major. We're like, we know you have practice rooms in the conservatory. Please do not play your trumpet in this room. That even had to be said multiple times. Danny loved impersonating Michael Jackson. Um, so, <laughs> um, so he would, like that was just his like, call sign, like anywhere he would be walking, he would make that sound. No matter what time of day or who was sleeping in the dorm room, um, he would just kick in the door, turn on the lights, Jamon, and it's like, Danny, we've been over this time and time again. It's 11 p.m. I know that might be early for some college students, but we're sleeping, please. And it just felt like it was every little thing that he, he was just not willing to budge on. So we ended up having like this intervention with Danny. <laughs> uh, like this friend intervention. And it was Philip and I, a, a couple gals, and just a friend group that had formed in that dorm. And we, in love, in love. Again, we're supposed to be this Christian community. We're supposed to be coming into adulthood and learning about what relationships are like and bearing with one another. We just said, Danny, honestly, you're just being a jerk. You're selfish. You don't care. It seems like you don't care about anyone except yourself. And we just laid out, like, and we want, like, we want to help you. We want to come alongside you. Come on, man. It just seemed like he received nothing of that. And so just the rest of the year, it felt like I just had to, like, grit my teeth and get through. And finally, that year came to a close, and it was more of a good riddance situation. Like a fine, finally, I don't have to put up with this, deal with this anymore. The next year, I got to be um, R an RA, a kind of a student leader on a floor, help uh, foster community, plan events, be a point of authority, get the roster, and Danny Edwards is on that roster. <laughs> He's on the floor. He later tells me that he made it a point 
to undermine my leadership as much as he possibly could. So he, like whatever the rule was, there was no skateboarding on the floor or um, quiet hours or non-open hours. I mean, he would bring the ladies on the floor anytime. He'd be skateboarding all the time, loud, past open hours and quiet hours. And and we just do, do it all. I committed to like not let him get the best of me in a sense. So I just, I hardened myself towards him. And I just like chewed on the anger that I had for this guy. And I didn't, I didn't want to break. I didn't want him to get the satisfaction. He like loved just pushing people's buttons just kind of to see him snap. And I just didn't want to. So all I did was just harden up and just chewed on that anger. And I even took pleasure in it because I, I knew that he was doing wrong. I knew that he was doing wrong against me. And so I just kind of collected it and chewed on it. That was a long year. It got done. And then that was another good riddance. I don't have to deal with Danny anymore. And we didn't. We didn't interact for two years. Two years later, it was both of our senior year. I had a super senior year. Um, but I knew Danny was going to be graduating and leaving. I was teaching and preparing to teach a Sunday school lesson with just the simple title of forgiveness. And as I was reading these scripture passages that were involved, it was as if the Holy Spirit dumped a dump truck of conviction on me that I had never forgiven Danny Edwards. I had only chewed on and leaned into that anger and frustration that I had with him. Never forgave him. And I knew if I was going to teach this lesson, if I, wouldn't, if I wasn't going to do anything, if I wasn't going to go talk to Danny, I would be teaching that lesson as a hypocrite. One of the parables was the unforgiving servant. The servant who's been released of years and years and years, an incalculable debt he's released of when he begs and asks to be released of it. And then he goes and chokes out a guy for like 15 bucks. The amazing set freeness that he just had, and he can't extend that in the smallest way. And, and it was a passage like that that just convicted me totally. So I text Danny. Danny, where are you? I go over to his apartment. He opens the door face to face. Danny Edwards. And I just say, dude, I've been angry with you for four years. I've done nothing about it. In fact, I've chewed on it. I've like allowed the anger to sit, fester, and grow. And I took pleasure in chewing on it. I was wrong. Never sought to forgive you. But Holy Spirit's doing something. This isn't me. I would have been the guy continuing to chew on it. But God's putting a stop to this. And I just got to say, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been withholding. I've been angry, um, unloving towards you for four years. Do you forgive me? And he says to me, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, you're the only person who's really loved me. He said, you're the only one who cared enough to call me out and try to get my attention. He said, I consider you a brother, he said. And, he, and that's when he told me that he, <laughs> because he was, whatever, was frustrated at me or jealous of me, he said, that's why I sought to undermine you all the time. But he apologized to me. Here we are, two dudes. If there was an enemy in my life, I would have said it was Danny Edwards. But there we were, standing on that doorstep, embracing each other, hugging each other, 
and extending forgiveness to each other. It was so sweet, so unexpected. I was able to teach that lesson and give a <laughs> teacher without being living a life of a hypocrite. About two, no, four years later, way after college, Danny went to law school. Later, I get a phone call. I hadn't talked to them since that day on the doorstep. His life just went down the drain. Addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, went to law school and just pursued all the wrong things. Many people even close to him had just died. He was just rock bottom. He called me and said, I don't know who else to call. We gotta talk. And because we had come together back four years before, there was an opportunity and I think just a safety that he felt because I don't know if there's anyone else who'd move towards him like that. And again, that wasn't me. That was Holy Spirit doing something in me to move towards him. But I just got to talk with him. Just got to pray with him. Got to grieve with him. Hard stuff going on. Again, this, is my, this was the one, the one guy I would have said was my enemy. Now here we are crying with each other over the phone. Because of the alcohol and drug um, consumption and how that just weakened his body, about a year after that, Danny uh, died of COVID. And Joyce and I got to go to his memorial service. And sitting there at his memorial service, just having lots of questions, but at the same time, experiencing a profound peace and a comfort, knowing that there was nothing left unsaid between Danny and I. That there was no grief for either of us that one of us had done to each other or sin that had been unconfessed. And guys, there was freedom there. Because here's just the crazy thing about death. It solidifies the state of any relationship. It freezes it. It's hard. Especially if you were to experience the death or the moving away of someone that you're angry with or that has hurt you, it cements it in a state where that, you can't, you can't experience the two-way exchange or any kind of change or growth. And so who is it? Who is it in your life that if they were to die today, if you were to die today, that that relationship, that that situation would just be left unresolved forever? But just a reminder, not just between us and people here on earth, but between us and God. What happens when we die? And if there's unreconciled <coughs> life between us and God, guys, our death will either cement an eternity with God, life, or our death will cement an eternity is separated from him. Eternal punishment. So what would it be like to receive the reconciliation that our God has made available to us? To embrace that we were enemies once, but now we're friends. And what would it be like to view every single person on earth, even though if they've hurt you, wronged you so bad, that you could view them as a potential friend of God, if they but just come to him acknowledge their sin, and if they become a friend of God, what right do we have to hold anything against them if God hasn't held 
anything against them because of the blood of his son. This truly is amazing grace that changes the game. Who are we to hold anything against anyone if our God has set us completely free of everything that we've ever done? So here's how we're going to move forward. In the pursuit of preparing each one of us to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, to be ministers of the gospel, it's important that we're prepared to proclaim what God has done in our lives. Each one of us who's proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we have a testimony. We can testify to how God has brought us from being enemies of him to being friends. And so tonight, I'm just going to ask that you would share that story with someone. Super simple. Super simple. Just think of it in that framework of once an enemy. What was that enemy lifestyle like for you? Even if it was when you were just four years old, we know that us being enemies, our hearts were rebellious against God. We had ourselves on the throne of our hearts. Every single one of us, it was as if we were just given the middle finger to God. Not having your way, I'm living my way. That's what a rebel, that's what an enemy would be like. But I bet God did something in your life to bring you to your knees, to reveal to yourself the sin that you have. Maybe it was a person that God used, maybe it was a circumstance. And you can say, God used this in revealing that I was in need, that I was an enemy, and that I needed to be reconciled. I needed to be made friends with God. And then now, what is it like friendship with God and how have you experienced God work and move in your life? So I'm not sure that every single one of you could say, I have a testimony. If that's the case, I'm just going to ask you to not pair up with a student, but I'm going to ask you to pair up with a leader and just hear one of these leaders, one of the counselors or one of us staff, just let us share with you our testimony and let us enter into conversation with you. Because if you choose to partner up with a student, I think it'll just get awkward pretty quick when it's your turn to share. But this is an opportunity, and it's, it's blunt, it's straightforward. This needs to be a fork in the road. And this is a way that we here can love you. To help you see that you are either living on a path that's pursuing and moving towards eternal life with God, or are you on a path towards death and destruction and an eternity apart from God. Anyone who takes that seriously would take and seize every opportunity they had to make that clear to the people that they were interacting with. We can love and wave the warning flags of destruction to those who are veering towards death. And that's the ministry that God's calling you into as an ambassador, as an minister of reconciliation. So here's how we're going to do this. Ladies, you're just going to pair up with another lady outside of your tent. Another gal who does not live in your same tent. Guys, you're going to pair up with another guy outside of your tent. Someone who's not in the same tent as you. You're just going to go off. We'll turn the floodlights on on the field. You can spread out. Just do about five or ten minutes each to share. Simply. 
I imagine maybe like you experienced last night, you'll find that you have more in common with people than you think. And every single one of us who can proclaim, I was an enemy and now I'm a friend, the other person can proclaim that same thing too. And you get to link arms as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you get to help prepare each other, sharpen each other to prepare, to, to communicate what God's done in your life. So just once again, I just really want to encourage you. Don't fake this tonight. Don't fake this. You'd only be allowing... Uh, a delayed facing of reality. Face reality tonight. Do you know God or do you not? And let us at least just have that conversation with you. So, you're not going to pair up with a student, pair up with a leader. They'll share a testimony. And just when you, when you have a moment during this time, just look around, because we'll have about 50 people sharing at any given moment about what God has done in their life. This is going to be a worship session, time of worship, proclaiming how God has brought so many of us from death to life. This is our testimony. And we get to testify to the goodness of our God. Let me pray for us. Then you can split up. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you. Lord, we're, this is sobering. Death is a reality. And we boot up being separated from you, God. But we thank you for the lengths that you've gone to bring us back to yourself. Lord, would you help us to see that there are those around us, even sitting here and in our hometowns and our families and our friend group who don't know you, who are far from you. And would you use this week at camp to prepare us to be lights in the midst of this world, to be people who see the people who are far off, to see the people who are enemies of God and to communicate the life-saving, life-changing, life-transforming good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, even in the awkwardness or the fumblingness of maybe what it'll be like for some of these here to share, maybe they've never shared their testimony before. Lord, I pray that you would even use that to stir up in them an eagerness and a desire to be able to put into words, Lord, what you've done for them. Would you help each and every one of us to grow in appreciation and thanksgiving for the life that we now have because of you, God. And for any students here, Lord, that would just boldly and courageously even acknowledge, I don't have a testimony. I have not bowed my knee to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that there would be testimonies that begin tonight. There would be new testimonies tonight. So Lord, be with these leaders as they get to interact with some students. Be with these students as they get to interact with each other. May this be a time that bolsters our faith and prepares us to proclaim what our God has done and what our God can do. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. May that thankfulness grow in each one of us as we talk and share now. Pray and ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and pair up with someone your gender, not in your tent. Go find a spot, five to ten minutes each to share what God has done.